Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. They are a one-stop shop for natural medicine. They're dedicated to helping people live better lives. I'm a customer, and I have certainly benefited from their products. So check out the website, abotanicalcompany.com. You can give them a call and ask any questions that that you need to ask to, to find out what they have and how it can help you. 405-458-9699 is that number, but they are great people. They do great things for the community around them. And I'm really excited to have them on board sponsoring the podcast. All right. It's uh it is Wednesday. It's been a wild week already and we're only at the halfway mark. I'm, I'm ready for football to be back in play with everything going on in the world. I I'm uh I'm just excited for another college football Saturday, NFL Sunday. Obviously, we have Thursday night football as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just ready for sports to uh, kick back into gear. I kind of feel like we got a little spoiled with the every night something different happening period with baseball and basketball and hockey and football and everything going on simultaneously. Now you get a couple nights in a row where there's not a lot going on, and uh, it's a little bit strange. But... Again, ready for another big football weekend. Oklahoma State loses to Texas last weekend, and they've got to bounce back against Kansas State this weekend. So Wyatt Thompson, play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, is going to join me, and we'll talk about both teams a little bit. Uh, And then Oklahoma has Kansas. And and look, this is uh, not anything that I feel like we need to spend a lot of time on talking about this matchup. Um, We will talk a little bit about it in the pregame show on Saturday, but... Uh, you know, what do you say when one team is favored by 38 points over a team that has not even been competitive in conference play? I looked this up earlier today. Big 12 teams are averaging 47.8 points a game against the Kansas Jayhawks to this point. That's five conference games, 47.8 points a game against Kansas. And now they're about to play the number nine scoring offense in college football. The average margin of victory in Big 12 play against the Kansas Jayhawks is 33 points. On average, they're losing by 33 points. So, again, I think this is Oklahoma by a lot. And maybe the only question we need to discuss is, does Oklahoma lay the hammer long enough to to beat the spread of 38? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but anyway, regardless... You're going to see a lot of touchdowns, a lot of big plays, and uh, certainly you should expect to see a lot of Sooners get playing time in that matchup. Uh, Also, big weekend in the NFL. Kyler Murray going to be back in action. The Cardinals had a bye week uh, last week, so you know I'm excited every week to watch Kyler Murray play. I think outside of Patrick Mahomes, for me at least, he's the most exciting player in the NFL. The dual threat ability, he is elite throwing the football, He is elite running the football. The burst that he has to get away from any sort of pressure, uh, it's it's just next level. And and look, he's not a finished product either. So, you know, I I think as far as being entertaining, he's capable of being amazing. But again, you know, he's going through this, this learning period where he's still making some mistakes as well. So... I just find it captivating every time he's on television, and I think it's it's must-see if you're a football fan. And then Baker Mayfield and the Browns. You know, interesting story. It, it's been a roller coaster for Cleveland. I think they are still surpassing the expectations. But just like, you know, any, any football team, anytime you lose a game, uh, you can't get rid of that feeling for a week. And so the Browns coming off that loss to the Raiders, uh, obviously Baker wasn't great. Um, they weren't great in a lot of areas. And uh, Kyle Kelly from 
brownwire.com is going to join us and uh, kind of break down what the situation is with Cleveland. So, uh, again, excited to uh, be on the daily stream. If you want to hit me up, feel free to do so at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. Uh, as soon as these live stream and these live streams end, by the way, uh, this will be posted on all the podcast platforms. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you've been listening to the podcast uh, recently. So that's also going to be available every day. But uh, certainly appreciate you guys checking this uh, video stream portion of the podcast out. My guest is the play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats as they get ready for the Oklahoma State Cowboys this weekend. He is Wyatt Thompson. Uh, Wyatt, I'm excited for another weekend of football and as far as Kansas State goes, I, I know we're going to talk about the, the bumpy road that they've kind of hit within this season, but, man, Chris Kleiman has just done a heck of a job, and, and I, I saw the extension earlier this year. I don't know that 2026 is, is long enough, frankly. Well, I appreciate that, Colby, and it's good to be on with you again. I, you know, it's, it, he has done a terrific job. I, I look back at last year and think about that team winning eight games and playing in a bowl game, although it was a loss to Navy, who was really, really good a year ago, they totally exceeded expectations. Whether it was the K-State fan base or people that cover the Big 12 or what have you, then you turn right around and you come back with quite a few guys back, but everybody knows that they had to, you know, totally rebuild the offensive line that lost five starters, and there were, you know, question marks uh, on the defense. And here we are with a four and one start in league play and four and two overall. Yes, there was a disappointment with Arkansas State, which under normal circumstances you'd say, "Hey, there's going to be a win." And then the victory against Oklahoma, which most people would say, "Whoop, better write that one down for a loss." So I think sometimes things even out. But back to the point, he's been really good. Um, he, he's very calm, even keel, a terrific football coach supremely confident in what he and his staff do they believe in it and they just kind of grind and it's been really good I don't know about you but he didn't necessarily wow me when I first heard his press conference after he was named being around him at Big 12 media days he just doesn't to me I guess have that personality that just really strikes you but it's almost kind of the perfect fit for Kansas State it seems like every year Kansas State is this underdog that everybody overlooks and then they jump up and punch you in the mouth and it that's kind of the same thing with Chris Kleiman, I guess. Like, he didn't necessarily wow you on the microphone, but the guy just shows up and is incredible on the football field. I think you have to be around him a little bit more to be wowed by who he is and, and how he does his craft. Um, I think, like what you said when, at the introductory press conference or any other you know, media gathering of sorts, you, you're not going to go, wow, what a personality guy that guy is. But I think when you work around him every day like I have for the last couple of years, I think you start to appreciate just the consistency in which he handles himself and his team, uh, the standard that, that he holds for he, his staff, and the team. And I'll tell you the truth. You know, we had a guy here before him that was pretty darn good and kind of took this thing from the ashes uh, to, the, to the mountaintop. I, I'm not saying that he belongs in that class because we're talking Bill Snyder's a Hall of Famer. And yet you're looking at a guy that's won five national championships at the FCS level. He's really good. And I think at the end of the day, when Gene Taylor introduced him at that presser you talked about, he may not have wowed everybody, but I think at the end of the day, 
it was a fit for K-State. You said it perfectly. And, and I, think, I think that's where we sit here today. He's been really great for K-State. Does he ever smile? I, I love the intensity, but I don't know <laughs> that I've ever seen him smile. Well, yes, he does. <laughs> and and uh, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, away from football, he's a ball. I mean, he really, truly is. He, I love his personality. Uh, I mean, he's got just an adorable wife, and, and they've got three uh, children, and, and pretty much grown. The, the third one is finishing up high school and what have you. But, yeah, he, he's a fun guy. You just don't see it in the in the vein that you always see him. I, I'm fortunate that I get to see it a little bit more, and, and his sense of humor is a lot bigger and better than, than would ever be perceived, I can tell you that. Well, as far as the football side of things, you mentioned the terrific start. Uh, you know, they, they look like they're poised to, to be in that race for potentially a, a Big 12 championship. I, I know a lot of people kind of sold the stock when Skylar Thompson gets hurt, and certainly that's a really unfortunate situation for, for him. You know, we talked before the season, and I think I asked you if this was your number eight for him. But, uh, you know, the, the team overall, I think, just has has been really impressive. And, and even the offensive line, you know, was something that you told me before the season was a, a big concern. Well, you covered a lot there. And let, let me start <laughs> with losing Skyler and, and the significance of that because I don't think I'm overstating this in any way, shape, or form. I think if he stays healthy through the duration of the season, you could make a fairly decent argument that K-State had a pretty good shot, as well as most. Maybe a tick below Oklahoma State or Oklahoma or Texas or whoever you want to name. Uh, but, but hey, they're right there. The other part of it is, I guess you can kind of weigh that how you want to, um, the offensive line has been solid, not great, ups and downs. You would expect that with basically five new starters. Here's the thing that I think is impressive, and this goes back to Kleiman and his ability with his staff to coach, get people in the right places, guys mature, get better. I think of maybe Drew Wiley is as good as an example as I could give you. This was a guy who was a career number two defensive tackle slash nose tackle type. And this year he's been a starter in every game. At the press conference on Tuesday, Chris Kleiman said he's been our defensive MVP. He's been that good. Eli Huggins, his running mate there, has also been really good. We're fortunate to have Wyatt Hubert at that defensive end spot, and they're so excited about Khalid Duke. So right there shows you the defensive line has really – blown away expectations the secondary had all kinds of issues early and i think and i'm just going to be honest about this i think they lost the first game in part because they weren't really on the edge that they normally have to play a game and they had you know 15 18 guys out uh lost their starting uh nickel uh three plays into the game and he's probably as good a defensive player as we have this side of Drew Wiley and Wyatt Hubert, that was pretty significant. I guess I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but I'm trying to make the point that these guys have found a way to do it. Uh, I could also probably throw Deuce Vaughn in your lap and, and have you chew on that piece of chicken for a while. Nobody saw – this kid's 5'5 five, five and 168 pounds. Nobody saw him being the top-rated productive freshman in the country at this point you know, some six games in. Nobody saw that. 
Well, the next time anybody sees Kansas State signing a five 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 eight kind of guy, everybody in the country better <laughs> jump on it. Well, it's interesting because, you know, going back to my first year here in 2002, at that time they had a young man here. Now, I'm not comparing Deuce, but they had a young man who was 5'6", and his name was Darren Sproles. And I am a, a big believer that Darren was a once-in-a-lifetime talent. I still believe that. Um, I think he has. you could make an argument that he should be in the College Hall of Fame and in the NFL Hall of Fame. He's like fourth or fifth all-time in all-purpose yards in the history of the NFL. He's a one-of-a-kind guy. You get the point. But my thing is, is that I think guys like that and Deuce Vaughn have proven that there is a place in the game for guys that maybe don't have the perfect size. I mean, if you went just by size, Drew Brees would have never thrown a pass in the NFL. Ever. True? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. just, just what it is. So, so I, I think there's, I think there's always room for for guys like that and overachievers like that. I mean, you you could we could sit here and talk about this all day long, um, and, and talk about guys who nobody thought could play, and and you saw what they did. And I just I love that kind of story, and in part because that's the other thing that K State is. It, it's kind of the blue collar, uh, under the radar underappreciated, all of those kind of things. That, that's what they are, and that's kind of what they strive on. If I'm going to criticize the coaching staff for anything, it's it's figuring out a way to get Deuce Vaughn more touches, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been really good. and yeah. The best part is, and you know this, he grew up in a football family. His dad, a longtime coach, he's a scout for the Cowboys. I've been around this a long, long time. I've never had a coach say to me that the kid came in to camp with the playbook already in hand, and it wasn't the playbook that K-State gave him. It was one that he and his dad drew up together watching tape. I've never, ever heard anything like that before. And this kid hit the ground running, and, and much like I'll, I'll throw another uh, K-Stater your way that, that I think maybe isn't as underappreciated now as he once was, Tyler Lockett. He's the first guy since Tyler Lockett that I said the first day of practice, oh, boy. This guy's going to play, and he's going to play right away. Yeah. yeah look, I'll tell you this. People in Norman are going to remember him for a long time, and certainly nobody's going to overlook <laughs> him next year going into that matchup. And and I would even say as far as the, the Oklahoma State matchup this week, everybody in this state is is well aware of, of what Deuce Vaughn is capable of. Um, Will Howard, what's the story with, with the freshman quarterback? 19 of 37 this weekend, three interceptions. Obviously not going to get it done in any capacity, but – uh, what's the overall story with him? What's the skill set? What's the expectation for, uh, you know, what they expect from him? It's a great question, and or questions, I guess. And, and let me just start out by saying how impressed I am with how he has handled the scenario in which he has been thrown into. Um, he, he was here um, as an early high school grad and was going to take part in spring drills, and, of course, that was – canceled because of, of COVID-19. But the fact that he was here and could hang around and learn from Colin Klein, a former player here, and the quarterback's coach, and Courtney Messingham, and, and name the other guys, including Coach Kleiman, I think that helped him. But I don't think even with that, that he thought, at, at that time, he was probably listed as, as the third guy uh, on the depth chart. 
but all of a sudden he goes from three to two and then two to one when sky goes down and for him to handle it the way he has through the ups and the downs. And then you mentioned his numbers last week and he wasn't good. He had one of those uh, interceptions tipped. Uh, so, so say what you want about that one, but he's also done a lot of good things. He's a, he's a really talented guy who was pretty highly recruited um, and He's six four and two thirty. He looks the part. He can run a little bit. He's he's not probably the runner that Skyler was, but I think he uh, will be a really really fine player. But again, I'm trying to say to you above everything else, he the coaches say this every day when you ask him about him, and that's the stage is not too big for him. He is handling this just fine. He's getting better every day. And at the end of the day, through wins, losses, ups, downs, that's what you want. You want him to get better every day because there was a time, people forget this, that Skyler Thompson was a true freshman too. It's 40-some games ago, but it did happen. And this kid will get better too. You mentioned the offensive line maybe better than they were when we talked about this team preseason, but you did say the word inconsistent. How much does that maybe play into a young guy like that struggles? And, and specifically, when you talk about this matchup, I mean, Oklahoma State defensively has been outstanding all year. Yeah, and, and we saw one last week, and this group may be as good, if not better. Some would argue better, and I get it. But they found it very difficult blocking the Sills brothers, <laughs> like a lot of them do. Uh, K-State rushed for 41 yards. Part of the inconsistency is not just a lack of playing time coming into the year but they've had some injury issues, some COVID uh, contact tracing things that they've had to deal with. So it hasn't been just the same five guys in the same spot rush out there for six straight games. It's been anything but. So they've grown and gotten better, but because of all of those other issues, I don't think they've taken the steps that I think Connor Riley, the offensive line coach, thought that they were capable of, at least to this point. And again, you have to always give uh, the, the people you're playing against a lot of credit. And, uh, you know, I sit there and I look at Oklahoma State's defense and I think about, you know, some of the kids that they have and the experience that they have. This, this is this is challenging because if, if I'm OSU and I'm, I'm not a coach, don't even want to be, uh, I'm perfectly happy doing what I do. But, but I, I, would, I would get after Will Howard and I suspect that they will with a very talented team. Well, it's easier what we do, right? Because we get, we get well, to second that's, guess, that's what and, I'm and tell we're, ne- sure. we're never wrong. I, I don't when know how easy. It, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's easier. It has to be right. It, it, but and, and and you have to be really bad to get fired doing it. Yeah, uh, and you can be pretty good and get fired as a coach, right? So yeah, it's easier. <laughs> you know, it, as far as the two defensive lines in this matchup, I, I kind of feel like on the on the line of scrimmage, both defensive lines probably have the advantage over the two offensive lines. I, I agree with that, and 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 I look at at. Oklahoma State's charger in front of me and you know I I think that Trace Ford uh, it, it, it's hard to not think that he is a star in the making don't you think I mean he's an explosive Absolutely. young guy he's exceptionally uh, I, I guess I'd say a high motor talent uh, he's not the only one I mean Tyler Lacey's still just a redshirt sophomore and those kind of things but uh, to me Trace is kind of what kind of portrays what Oklahoma State really is. Get after you, play hard, be just aggressive and tough, and I I think that's what they are. That's what he is. 
So this is a, a 12 and a half point spread in this game. And, and certainly you wonder what that would have been if Oklahoma State didn't give up the loss to Texas last week. But to me, this seems like the perfect kind of spot for Kansas State, the kind of spot that they thrive in coming off a, you know, a loss that maybe none of us anticipated being that way to you know, playing a, a ranked opponent that certainly has a lot of firepower. Yeah, all of that makes sense. But, but I, I also will tell you, under no circumstances did I show up a year ago in Stillwater and think that I would see Chuba Hubbard rush for 296 yards. <laughs> so I, I don't know that you ever really know for sure how games are going to play out, but, but I get the point. I mean, I, I've watched, uh, I watched part of the Oklahoma State-Texas game live as we were making our trek from Morgantown to Pittsburgh and then subsequently eating dinner in a sports bar or whatever. And then I've watched it back a couple of times on tape. What, what impresses me is, is that Oklahoma State was, you know, had a chance to win the game with all of the mistakes they made. And usually they don't do that. And so, I, again, I think that speaks to the job that Mike does, the talent that they have, all of those types of things. Th- that's probably – you know, something that isn't going to happen every week. This is this is a team that a lot of people like, and because of their experience and the, and the way they're coached, um, I, I just think they've got a real shot here, and I think they know it, and everybody else knows it. I'm curious, as far as the quarterback situation goes, if, if you do see Will Howard struggle out of the gate, is there is there another guy maybe in line that, that there's any conversation about, you know, having that opportunity, or is this Will Howard show regardless? Well, it's a good question because if something would happen to Will, um, God forbid, but if, if let's say he would sprain an ankle or something, you've got to run somebody out there. And I don't know um, with great confidence that I would tell you who it might be, but I think it would be Nick Aust, who's been in the program three years now. Nick has, has not played a whole heck of a lot, but I think he would be the next man up. But I hesitate a little because I think Coach really likes Jaron Lewis as a redshirt freshman, a kid from Missouri who redshirted and didn't play a year ago. He hasn't played at all this season, but that doesn't mean he won't or can't. And he's kind of a dual-threat guy. That, that would, I'm just being blunt about this, I hope we don't find out because, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I think Will's the guy that's gotten all the one reps all along, and I think he's the guy that they're most comfortable with at the moment. But um, – that that would be an interesting scenario. Had have they if they have to go to a number two, let's put it that way. Well, Wyatt, I always appreciate the time. It's great to catch up with you. Hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to chat again before the season is over. But uh, certainly appreciate your time, my friend. My pleasure. Uh, great talking to you as always. I always appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Wyatt Thompson, play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. My guest covering the Cleveland Browns is Kyle Kelly with the Browns Wire or BrownsWire.com. Kyle, we get a lot of Cleveland Browns games in Oklahoma City, obviously a massive Baker Mayfield fan base here. So I've I've had the opportunity to watch Cleveland most weeks, not every week. How would you describe the roller coaster ride that has been the Cleveland Browns season to this point? It's been crazy. Um, you know, honestly, it's been uh, better than expected, I'd say. I think, uh, con- you know, considering with the, you know, the pandemic and uh, Kevin Stefanski not being able to meet with the guys uh, uh, up until mid-July in person, obviously everything was all online. And for them to, you know, get out to the start, uh, you know, five and three is, 
it's pretty outstanding, I'd say. Uh, you know, obviously last Sunday against uh, Las Vegas was, uh, a, you know, a little bit of a down week. But, you know, certainly I think that uh, the expectations are uh, they're exceeding them. And, uh, you know, unfortunately the, the two losses against uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore don't look good. But, uh, you know, those are some division games. Those have always been hard to win. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly been a whirlwind. Uh, no game has been easy. Uh, both Cincinnati and Indianapolis, both those wins were right down to the wire. Uh, but I think the most important thing that I'm taking away from this season so far is the Browns are learning how to win games, and they're winning games consistently. I know in, in football, NFL, college, everywhere, it's it's kind of a doomsday type scenario anytime you lose a game because there's so much weight with every game you play and you don't play a ton of these. Anytime you lose, it just kind of feels like the sky is falling. But I, I don't know, maybe it's because I, I'm in the middle of, of this Baker fan base in Oklahoma City that, that is watching that thing from afar, but it definitely feels from the outside like that's even more so the case with the Cleveland Browns situation, the fact that, you know, Baker's been there and shown signs at times of being really good. It's been wildly inconsistent. They've added talent to the roster, but it's still, you know, again, just not a consistent product. So it almost feels like every time they lose, it's it's even more so the sky is falling. No, that's, that's certainly correct. And, you know, pretty much the conversation after every week with Baker Mayfield is, are the Browns going to pick up his uh, fifth-year option, which that's due in the spring? It'll be a $25 million hit on the cap. And, you know, some of the performances this year certainly like he's worth $25 million. So, uh, you know, anytime they lose a game, it, it certainly does feel that way. Um, I think uh, this uh, past Sunday against the Raiders was a little bit of anomaly uh, from that aspect. A lot of things kind of went wrong. The weather wasn't good. Um you know, there's a lot of drop passes, uh, a fumble by the rookie tight end, Harrison Bryant. So I think, uh, uh, you know, last Sunday was a little bit of an outlier. I think fans were a little bit more understanding, although certainly um, it could later on here uh, in the season could come back to bite the Browns in the butt uh, losing to the Raiders because the Raiders are going to be right there in the uh, wild card race. But, uh, you know, as – when the, when Cleveland lost week one uh, to Baltimore, there was a lot of talk, it, you know, if this season was going to look a lot like last year's. And then certainly the same way uh, when the Browns lost against Pittsburgh, a lot of the talk was, you know, is this the same old Browns? I mean, they, they show up against a division opponent um, in Pittsburgh, and, you know, they played very poor. You know, Baker Mayfield threw a pick six on his first uh, pass of the game so uh, there there certainly is a little bit of a sense of that feeling but you know ho hopefully uh, as the wins pile up the losses when there is some uh, you know are a little bit easier to, to digest which way does it feel like the wind is blowing right now as far as Baker Mayfield getting that option with Cleveland and them kind of doubling down on him being the guy if I had to guess, I think they pick it up. Um, I mean, the guy's a first overall pick. Uh, you know, by all accounts, this is the best quarterback the Browns have had since 1999. Um, you know, there's there's really no incentive, at least that I see, to move on from him so soon. I think that, you know, picking that fifth-year option up gives them some continuity. And, you know, worse comes worse, I guess, for the Browns. You're out $25 million. But, um, 
you know, the Browns have never had a quarterback in this magnitude and, you know, honestly, this sort of consistency at the position. You know, Baker started every game last year. He started every game this year so far, and he started the, you know, the final uh, 13 games of his rookie year. So, you know, the stability of the position has has been remarkable <laughs> compared to years past. You know, obviously the product hasn't always been there, but with Baker, I mean, the guy, you know the guy's got it. I mean, he's got his fourth head coach, third offensive scheme. I mean, this is – it's been no easy ride in Cleveland. So I think that, you know, the way the uh, it's going to look is my gut feeling is they end up uh, picking up that fifth-year option. As far as his struggles, what's the biggest criticism and what's the thing that's talked about most that he's got to fix to be more consistent? I, I know that – the Browns have had inconsistent quarterbacks forever. His ceiling is certainly higher than any of those guys that they've had for the last like three decades. But in those times where he is struggling, what's the biggest issue there? I think the turnovers are pretty concerning. Um, you know, against uh, I think it was Cincinnati. Um, I think his first pass of that game as well was an interception, and you know, he also went 0 for 5 in that game. I think he finished the game 22 of 23, a rem- remarkable performance. But I think the turnovers are most concerning. Um, and the other thing that you know I kind of see Baker, which you know I really didn't see from him at Oklahoma, and certainly you would know as well, is his pocket presence is is when he's in the pocket, he's just antsy. And I, I don't think we saw that at Oklahoma. You know, granted, you know, I believe uh, the offensive line there uh, received the, uh, you know, the best offensive line uh, in the country award is uh, final year there. And, uh, you know, the Browns offensive line has made tremendous strides since uh, last year and his rookie season for that matter. And uh, yet he's still a little bit antsy in the pocket. It, it's um, it seems like any time you get above two and a half seconds, you kind of hold hold your breath with him because it's going to be a sack or an incomplete pass. Um, so that that's one thing that I really want to see him improve on. And um, I think that, you know, another topic that's been a hot one here is with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, the writing's on the wall. Without Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield simply been better. There's no logical explanation for it. It's just simply it's simply fact, I, I, and no one really seems to know why. My guess is Baker's just trying to force him, uh, force the ball too much. Um, but you know, I, I think uh, quite honestly, uh, the conversation going into uh, this past week against the Raiders was, you know, the Browns are going to be better off with Odell Beckham Jr. and just my impression, I think that was a game that they really missed them. They they missed that dynamic of the offense, and at the very least, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. draws a lot of eyes. So, you know, I, I do need to see Baker Mayfield uh, make some strides in the turnover department. He's got to get better in the pocket, and, you know, he's really going to have to develop some chemistry here with some of these uh, new guys here uh, throughout the second half of the season. You know, everybody in the sports world, I think if you've watched television at all, you see Baker all the time, and and he has just this electric personality, and he has a tendency to just draw people to him when you're around him, and and we saw that at Oklahoma, the the entire team seemed to rally around him every single week, and he was the undisputed leader of that team, and that's the sense I've had in Cleveland since he arrived, that he was the leader there. Is is that still the case? Do you still feel like that group is, is just following him as the undisputed leader or do you feel like at any point there 
might be some bumps in that road. No, I I think that this team, uh, you know, they really uh, flock to Baker Mayfield. I think that they all the players know he's the guy. The organization know he's the guy. And uh, I think that's kind of the sense around around the team. Um, you know, I, I think just for fans at some point during the season, uh, you know, they were really starting to point towards uh, Case Keenum to take over for Baker Mayfield. But, you know, just watching the game, I've never gotten that sense on the sidelines. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. is always going to throw a fit every now and then if he doesn't get his targets and receptions. But, you know, just based on kind of what I've seen, you know, uh, these guys love Baker. And, you hear in the press conference. I know Joel Batonio, the you know the left guard of Pro Bowlers, always vocal uh, about Baker Mayfield. In fact, I even remember him saying a couple times this year that you know I I believe it was against Cincinnati or Indianapolis. Joel Batonio came right out and said, "We don't win this game unless Baker's our starting quarterback." So I think the support around him on the team is fully there, and I think the organization, you know, despite some of the. Um, a negative perception on the outside uh, still has the support for Baker Mayfield as the starting quarterback and leader of this football team. A decision to be made with Baker. You, you brought up the Odell situation, a decision to be made there. How, how do you feel like that's going to play out? Because certainly, you know, a week ago, it felt like he was the problem. This week, it felt like they certainly missed him. Uh, again, it's just one of those many wild storylines that, that surround the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's going to be the talk the entire offseason is what should the Browns do with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, just my my overall thoughts is the Browns don't really have much incentive to trade him. Um, you know, going into this season, his stock certainly fell. And now with the, the torn ACL, that stock is going to fall even further. And, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure about, you know, what the dynamic would be between, you know, the Browns trading Oda Beckham Jr. away from his best friend and Jarvis Landry. I, I'm assuming there would be a little pushback there, um, but I just I really don't see any reason for the Browns to trade Oda Beckham Jr. I mean, what do you get? Maybe a third or fourth round pick? No, it's not worth it. You know, they've seen at times that they can make it work. It's just it's all about consistency. And you know, just moving on. Uh, you know, the next couple of years here, I think he's got two or three years left on his contract. I think he's going to play them all out in Cleveland. You know, whatever happens after that, you know, could go a number of ways. But just to me, I don't really see much of uh, um, an incentive for the Browns to get rid of uh, Oda Beckham Jr. You mentioned the offensive line is improved. Back when we did the the draft thing and you joined me, uh, we talked about the offensive line. And I think in the mock draft, you, you uh, gave them Jedrick Wills. Uh, which was the correct pick, but how much better is that group? I, I, I Again, just seeing them play periodically, it looks like they're better, but maybe just still inconsistent to a degree? Yeah, they are uh, much improved. Uh, the big loss has been Wyatt Teller, uh, the right guard who has been out, I think, about three or four weeks now uh, with a calf injury. Um, actually, Pro Football Focus had Wyatt Teller graded as the best guard in all football. And that was a guy that John Dorsey traded a late-round pick last year um, to get Teller from the Buffalo Bills. And uh, when he was playing, the Browns were outstanding on the offensive line. Their run game was phenomenal. I, I still think Baker was still having some trouble developing that sense in the pocket. But in terms of last year, much improved. You know, Jedrick Wills has still had his rookie moments. 
You know, last week I think he had two or three false starts. I believe he leads the league in false start penalties. But by all accounts, I think that they've been pretty encouraged to see uh, the performance of Jedrick Wills. And, you know, Jack Conklin, uh, you know, who was an all-pro guy his rookie year, came over from Tennessee, and uh, he's missed a game here and there with uh, some nagging injuries at the right tackle spot. But, um, you know, he's played very well for the Browns at that position. And then, you know, once Teller, uh, you know, was that was out with the uh, with the calf injury? Chris Hubbard, a guy that plays a lot of tackle, played left tackle last year for the Browns, a lot of right tackle. They shifted him into right guard, and you know he's kind of struggled at that position. So as of late, the Browns' offensive line is kind of taking a step back, but in terms from last year, they are much improved. I was laughing a couple weeks ago, and I didn't see the game, but to start that Bengals matchup he throws an interception and I I don't even remember what the number was he was 0 for whatever and it kind of seemed like my social media timeline was selling all the Baker Mayfield stock in the world and then he has just the most incredible finish to that game that that you've ever seen uh what was I think he was almost perfect minus maybe one spike of the football and five touchdowns and including the the game-winning drive I'm curious if if it doesn't play out that way and he doesn't bounce back that way, it kind of felt like the mob was ready to just pile on at that point. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I think if Baker doesn't respond in with the way he did, I think the Browns are looking at making a switch to Case Keenum at quarterback. Uh, you know, not to mention the bad start from Baker Mayfield in that game, but He's also been playing with a, uh, a rib injury, which is affecting him a little bit. I think he's finally starting to heal. Uh, he looked more comfortable against Las Vegas, but, you know, there it almost looked like you know, he was playing so poorly in that game. The Browns had a decision to make, but it seems like, I mean, you guys know this in Oklahoma, whenever you count this guy out, it's when, it's when he prevails. And it's best, almost yeah. like, yeah, I mean, they, he just thrives off the adversity. And, you know, we saw that in that Cincinnati game, and that's exactly what happened. And it's almost like, you know, coming out of the bye week, there's going to be a little adversity. But um, they got a pretty easy schedule here down the stretch. So I, I think Baker is, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to heal up um, after the bye week and, you know, really come out and finish the season strong. And, get the Browns in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. I think the the Joe Burrow thing is interesting, and the reason I brought up that game is because you mentioned it, I think, when Baker feels like the world is against him, it's when he's at his best. I think when you look at Joe Burrow also being a Heisman winner, Joe Burrow also being the number one pick, Joe Burrow also going into a situation that some thought was kind of hopeless out of the gate and having as much success as he's had, I think that does turn up the heat on Baker a little bit to just look down the road and see this rookie, you know, doing what Baker essentially did his rookie season and, and asking the question, you know, why isn't it getting any better? Um, I, 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 the Joe Burrow thing, I just think, puts more pressure on Baker from the outside. And at the same time, I think that that may be a good thing for him, actually. Yeah, I do agree with that. And, you know, let's make no mistake, Joe has been fantastic as a rookie. I mean, much like the Brown situation and, you know, every other team in the NFL for that matter. You know, this is a guy that didn't even get into the facility until midsummer. And, you know, he's he's throwing like you know, 
probably close to 350 yards on average per game. I think he he had 400 um, against that you know ruthless Brown secondary. But oh my gosh, his the way he's played in Cincinnati with you know their offensive line play and you know they they beat Tennessee last week uh, has been been remarkable. And I think that. You know, with a guy in the, in the division, uh, another Heisman Trophy winner, a guy that won a national championship, Joe Burrow, is he's a really hot name in the NFL. And I think that does add some uh, competitive flair in the AFC North uh, with, with Baker Mayfield. And right now, Baker's 2-0 and against Joe Burrow. But um, as some tells me here in years to come, that, that record's not always going to be that way because Joe Burrow looks like the real deal. Now, if the Pittsburgh Steelers can just get rid of that bum that they have at quarterback and get a, a Heisman winner, we'll have the the Heisman quadruple. Yeah, I want to count it out. I mean, uh, <laughs> Big Ben is he's kind of <laughs> he's getting there up and he's getting up there in age. But I, I say mean, bum. Hey, he's he's been fantastic, and they're they're obviously yeah yeah great. absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, there's been some negatives coming out of Pittsburgh about Big Ben, but hey, by all accounts, he's got the team undefeated and. Right. Uh, I, I think that you can't argue that. I mean, the guy, he's he's provided so much stability to that organization. You know, wouldn't surprise me just to see them make a Super Bowl run this year. Yeah. Did anybody watch them last year when Mason Rudolph and, and oh, who's the other terrible. kid, Duck, whatever? Uh, Duck Hodges. Yeah, yeah Duck were, Hodges. They were terrible. They were terrible. Yeah. So even if Ben's yep. not out there throwing for 400 yards, obviously just his presence is is pretty great. But no man, that's, a, that's a really fun division, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's really competitive, and you see it. I think it's certainly the best division in the AFC North, and you know I think there's even an argument now with the 49ers, a lot of the injuries they have uh, that could be the best division in football. And you know I think the Bengals are going to continue to make strides throughout the season. Luckily for the Browns, they they played them earlier on because I think later on in the year, if the Browns go down to Cincinnati, that could be a game that they they likely lose and. You know, quite frankly, they almost lost it. I mean, if it wasn't for Baker Mayfield throwing a touchdown with like 11 seconds to go um, against Cincinnati, the Browns lose that game. So the division is fantastic. You know, the Steelers and Ravens are two of the best teams in the in the conference and in all football. And and now you got the Browns, who are some up and comers, and it's going to be a fight to the finish. Um, you know, it's certainly atop a the division with Baltimore and Pittsburgh certainly looks after last week with the Steelers win that um, Pittsburgh will claim the division but uh, it looks like you know hopefully if the Browns can hang on you know they're gonna have two uh, wildcard teams um, out of the AFC North. Kyle certainly appreciate the time uh, there's a lot of football still to be played and, and the Browns road is going to be I think interesting as it has been to this point so let's uh, let's plan on catching up again before the season ends. Absolutely you always got my uh, Twitter DM and I, I appreciate you uh, having me on as a uh, as always, thank, thanks so much. Absolutely, my friend. Kyle Kelly with Browns Wire or, or the Browns Wire, brownswire.com, joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City, a one stop shop for natural medicine. They are dedicated to helping people live better lives. So check out their line of products abotanicalcompany.com. Give them a call, 405 458 96 Nine, nine. The name of the game here is just to educate yourself on what they have and the benefits that it could bring your life. So, uh, again, just just uh, do your research. Give them a call. Talk to them about what they have and, and what your issues may be. And uh, I, I think that they uh, can do some really good things for you. So, 
again, really excited that they are sponsoring the podcast. And, and as I mentioned before, I'm a customer. So, uh, again, thank you to Artisan Botanicals. All right, that is today's episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast. If you want to contact me, you can do so via Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. Instagram is Colby.Daniels. Feel free to hit me up on either platform. Appreciate you guys. Everyone stay safe, and I will talk to you soon. Okay, it's over.